We have two readings this morning, one from the Gospel of Matthew in which Jesus will say, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. So this morning we will go back and begin with the prophets. What is it that he is talking about? And this is the first Sunday in Black History Month. Some of these texts, which we familiarly call the prophets, are some of the favorites of civil rights preachers and liberation theologians. So let us first listen to the prophet Isaiah in the 58th chapter. Shout out, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments and they delight to draw near to God. I have to pause again and remind us to listen to this as though it is speaking to us. Listen, you citizens of the United States of America. Listen, as if you were a nation that practiced righteousness. We need to hear this speaking to us and not as though it is to some other. So why do you fast? Why do we fast, the people ask, but you do not see? Why do we humble ourselves, but you do not notice? The people are pleading with God, look, God, aren't we great? Don't you love us so much? Aren't we doing a terrific job? Don't you see all our holiness? But no, the response is, look, you serve your own interest on your fast day, and you oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and fight and strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your home when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then shall your light break forth like dawn. And your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then shall you call out, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall rise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. Other prophets echo this same message. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Are we still asking the question? Micah tells us, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
And as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. quoted in both the I Have a Dream speech and in the letter from a Birmingham jail, from the prophet Amos, God tells the people, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. God tells them, let justice roll down like rivers and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So this is what Jesus is telling the people he has come not to abolish but to fulfill. So friends, I'll put this on myself and imagine, just imagine, that this morning I woke up feeling very holy and very pleased with myself. I was getting ready to come here and lead worship But one of the first things that I did was to open the news on my phone and see in the Fairfield patch that yet another racist incident, this did happen, occurred at a local high school. And what if I shrugged my shoulders and said, boys will be boys, and thought that it didn't affect me and started to go on with my day? What if then on my way here I was served breakfast through the window of a drive-thru? by a person who was not making a living wage, a person who would have to choose which bills that she would be able to pay that month and was worried about eviction, and I cared about that not at all. And then imagine that on my way, I raised my fist and had some choice words for everyone who drove too slowly in front of me, and then I pulled into the parking lot past Operation Hope, having not donated in a year, or to any other food pantry for that matter. And then imagine if I came into the building and opened a computer with pieces in it that had been made by child laborers earning 13 cents a day somewhere in the world. And then on the way in here, spoke very rudely to my dear friend and colleague Frank, and then sat here feeling very holy and pleased with myself and thought, all right, God, where are my blessings? How good am I? It is to this type of faithful person who Jesus offers the challenge. I did not come, of course, coming so lovingly and inviting all to the table. But yet, Jesus saying, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets. They still stand. Jesus says, no, I come to fulfill them. It reminds me that Gandhi said, and others have pointed out, I like your Christ. It's your Christianity that is a problem. The prophets continually challenge us whenever we look back to question how it is that we are living out the good news. So it is under this correction and this challenge that we hear these beautiful words from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Kelly Antonson so beautifully preached on the Beatitudes, and so we return to that scene. We imagine Jesus preaching to an inner circle of the Twelve, and yet all of these crowds are pressing in, trying to also be followers of Jesus, wanting to hear this message and this good news. So he has just told them all, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And he also tells them, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. 
A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So have you returned in your mind's eye to that mountainside? Can you envision him preaching this sermon? The people were overlooking the Sea of Galilee, probably under the sunshine. Can you imagine the sun glimmering off the surface of the water? And do you hear how Jesus is not just preaching to or at people? He is preaching about them. He is telling them who they are. Blessed are you, blessed are you, and you are salt and you are light. His sermon illustrations are all around him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world in the Gospel of John, but here I think it's so important that he is saying, you, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. And he's telling them how to live because of that reality. So let's think today about salt and light. And let's remember that while some things never change, there are differences between the ancient world and today that I think we need to lift up if we are to understand how to read the text. So first, salt. Did you know that the root of the word salary comes from salt? Salt was so valuable in ancient times that Roman soldiers might have been paid their wages in a little bag of salt. That was a currency. And did you know that twice in the Hebrew scriptures, because salt was so valuable and powerful, that God calls that covenant promise that God makes with the people a salt covenant? And that whenever people bring their gift to the temple, which then was usually something that we would see in a butcher shop, a piece of meat, it had to be salted. It says, do not bring your gift unless it is salted. Can you imagine if when the deacons are passing the offering plate, we're going around with a little drizzle of salt on top? And can you imagine if couples, when they're making their wedding vows to each other as their hands are clasped, if we gave a little sprinkling of salt on top to make it extra holy and show just how valuable it was? Salt was so important. And yet there are also things that do not change. Salt is that universal flavor. Have any of you seen salt, fat, acid, heat? It's on Netflix. The producer is Samin Nosrat, and she is a cooking genius. She says that salt brings food to life. She says that salt is one of the few elements that unites all cuisines, olives, capers, pickles, cheese. She says are all sources of salt in our food. She spends part of this episode about salt in Japan. 
learning about 100-year-old barrels of soy sauce tended by a fifth-generation soy sauce tender. She says that Japan has 4,000 different kinds of salt, depending on each different harbor where it is gathered and depending on how finely it is ground. Without salt, food just doesn't taste right. If I told you all to come to the pasta dinner but said no one had salted the pasta water and there was no salt in the pasta sauce and there was no salt in any of the desserts, would you be very excited about coming? That certainly doesn't change. So I am not very moved by celebrities. If you gave me a People magazine, I wouldn't know most of the people in there. But I might be starstruck by this creator of salt, fat, acid, heat, because she's a genius. And another person who I love, who's something of a celebrity, is Ina Garten of the Barefoot Contessa. I turn to her for inspiration whenever I feel like I'm stuck in a rut. Of course, her cooking shows always look perfect and pristine and glamorous, while mealtime at my house is something of a free-for-all. You never see a single dirty dish in any of these cooking shows, and you don't see little grubby hands making smudge marks on all of the lower cabinets while they try to help. But Ina Garten has the right idea. She says that the, in cooking, she tries to lift up the original flavor of a dish, and she says that Vanilla and coffee make chocolate taste more chocolatey, and that is why she puts them in her chocolate cakes. Just like this, salt does that for everything. Salt brings out the flavor of every other flavor in the dish. It makes everything taste more like itself. It is always amplifying, highlighting, and intensifying the other flavors. In her most recent book, go-to dinners, she has this beautiful invitation that I think is so perfect for us to hear on a communion Sunday. This is how she opens her book. I love you. Come to dinner. Isn't that the invitation we all want to hear? It promises an evening of good food, warm conversation, and the chance to share our lives with family and close friends, she writes. But to me, come for dinner is more than just an invitation to a meal. It's a celebration of community. Dinner nourishes our bodies, but it's the connection with people we love that nourishes our souls. And that's what I actually crave most. I love you. Come to dinner. If your food doesn't have salt, it won't taste right. Did you know if your body doesn't have salt, your cells won't even be able to function properly? Each of your cells has a tiny little pump that controls the sodium in it. And without the right levels of sodium, nothing works right. If your relationships, if we're to follow this out, don't have salt, without that covenant, bond, and blessing, they won't have that loyalty that they need or that flavor. You won't be highlighting in your relationships the best of what you love about the other person. But Jesus is concerned when he is telling the people to be salt about what the world will be like if no one is salty enough to bring out the goodness of the kingdom. Christians should be infusing the whole world just as salt, highlighting everything that is wonderful about the world. And to switch to the light, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Just like salt, light 
is not light for its own sake. Light is there to highlight what is already there around it, bringing clarity to what might have been hidden or missed. Just like any of us need as we try to live faithful lives, letting salt and light infuse our actions, not that we might come here and sit here and pretend we are good and holy, but that salt, just like sprinkled throughout a soup, might infuse everything with goodness. So friends, would you join me in reading again our call to worship? And I hope that it will sound different to us this time. We are called to bring a new understanding of God, that God so loves the world. We are called to bring a new hope in God, that God gives us new life. We are called to follow the commandments and the law. Come, let us be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And surely Jesus responds with, friends, I love you. Come to dinner. Amen.